Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. My name is Richard Foster, and this welcomes back one of our favourites, Dave Crossland, to the Stromcast. Dave, for those of you who don't know, is a performance and image-enhancing drug specialist and the founder of Eval Blood Testing Services. Um, so if you want your bloods done, they offer a wicked mobile service with an actual ambulance to come around and see you at various gyms or at various places. Dave is renowned for having terrible internet, so if he breaks up at any point, I do apologise. Um, and the topic for today's podcast is health within the bodybuilding industry. Are we going through a health crisis at the moment within bodybuilding, or are we in fact just more aware of the stupid things people have been doing to themselves for years and years and years? Dave, good morning. Oh, you're fucking killing me. Good morning. Are we going to go straight up? You you can't do wisdom like this. <laughs> um, sorry, your internet's especially no, no. bad right now. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Yes. Can Did you, you hear, hear your wonderful introduction? I heard my wonderful introduction. I will send you the ten pounds later. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Just that's okay. I'm just seeing if I can cut down on some traffic on the internet to make it work a bit better. But there isn't really anything. Close right. Mob. Close XNXX. You're away. I am. Um, I can't close Pornhub. That's always open. Fine. Good. Um, uh, um, so health crisis within bodybuilder. Why sat opposite me? Give me dirty looks now. <laughs> um, I think there's a mixing pot here. Um, we have seen a shift towards more health focus, but we've also seen a shift towards almost dismissing that at the same time. So people are much more wary of the value of bloods. And, and bloods aren't the be-all and end-all. They are a tool. They're a useful tool in certain areas. They're not particularly useful for things like heart health. Um, they will show you contributing factors to heart health, but they don't give you a very clear picture of heart health itself. Uh, but at the same time, people have got very, oh, well, that's normal for a bodybuilder. Oh, well, that's normal for a bodybuilder. And actually, for most people, anything above 1,000, 1,500 CK, creatine kinases are going to be formal, would actually be concerning even as a bodybuilder because there isn't that many bodybuilders record levels above that. Yeah. We regularly, see, trained. we regularly see people, you know, in the five, six, seven, eight hundreds. Um, and, and if people who train hard, that that's not an issue. The, the flip side to that, I guess, is a little bit of health hypochondria in that we now see people with a CK of 150 who shit their pants because the GP told them it's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's definitely more awareness. There is also, to an extent, some dismissal. Uh, we are seeing trends of drug usage under the guise of health, which actually, if people read up on the compounds they were using, they would find that they're probably taking more risks than they would be not using it. Tess Martin is one that jumps out. Um, Tess Martin can do a lot of kidney damage to certain people, and you under no circumstances can mix that with ibuprofen. It's fucking not a good mix at all. Your kidneys will not like you. But for those that it does work for, it is a, a very good product. But we have this wholesale approach now these trends of drugs so where people specific, jump on specific, to use specificity is what you're talking about specificity Spe well specificity. yeah i mean at the end the right tool you know 
Broderick, Broderick has a saying, which I think is very apt in this point, which is pick the right tool for the right job. Uh, at the end of the day, if you need it, it is useful, but it, it needs to be managed like every compound, like every drug does. It needs its usage needs to be managed. You know, you need to monitor your kidney function when you first start it, stuff like that. But as as a broader topic, I think we are to some extent seeing the fallout from the change in cycle patterns that's been occurring for the last 10 years. Um, probably slightly longer, but I think to an extent we are now seeing the accumulative damage that has come from those cycles. But at the same time, there is also a um, tendency and a much more higher level of information and access to information. So there's a tendency to say... Why are all these bodybuilders die? I mean, Simmons died last week. Uh, uh, you know, let's be realistic when we look at things. And unfortunately, people don't. They, they, you see it posted a lot. Why are we seeing all these bodybuilders suddenly die? And it's well, we're not. There's always been a, a, a reasonable level of participant death. Uh, it's just it's never been recorded or no one's ever been particularly aware of it. So we have this risk element at the moment where we're being hypersensitive to illness within usage, but there's a danger then of going the opposite way and being overly dismissive as well. Um, are associated health concerns with steroids increasing? I think so. Uh, but I also think some of that is driven by more openness and more awareness of the impact usage. Um, I mean, go back five years, I remember quite a few guys having heart attacks and heart issues that were users, but it was never linked because nobody looked there, whereas now we do tend to look a bit more. Um, I do think, though, that over the last 10, 15 at push, but definitely 10 years, we've seen a big change in use of trends. Cycles have definitely got bigger. Uh, the spectrum of drugs being used has got wider. So whereas 15 years ago, growth hormone was still really regarded as an exotic drug, and so was insulin, you've now got guys on the second cycle jumping on growth and insulin. So we, we see a much more broad spectrum of drug use. Trend is obviously ever popular. Um, uh, and there are definite health concerns. I suppose the wear and tear of the lifestyle to an extent. I mean, there are aspects about bodybuilding and cycling that are not healthy, but we, because generally they look good on the outside, you assume they're good on the inside, and it, it's very often not the case. And, and I suppose damage is, is cumulative. Um, now, if I could just ask you, maybe that, um, we're having quite a lot of issues with... Um, quality of the stream if let you me could, try it if you could just stop your video because i don't actually put out the video from these right okay hang on now. is that any better that's perfect yes apparently my network bandwidth is low which is why i'm having problems well the audio on this is perfect now so um although i can't see your beautiful face i can hear your voice um 
So if we just spin around right at the start, you talked about um, heart issues and how blood work doesn't necessarily cover for that. Because um, we have covered Trembolone in a previous podcast. You, you covered it quite in depth. Um, if we spin around onto heart health, um, you said that blood work doesn't necessarily cover heart problems. Um, one, are we genuinely seeing an increase in heart problems or are we more aware of it as before? And also what kind of things would you suggest people might want to look at in terms of monitoring their heart health? So with heart health, I think you have to be particularly aware of symptoms. Uh, things like water retention, particularly left-sided, um, things like breathing, um, cardiovascular issues, uh, um, shortness of breath. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, pretty much every bodybuilder on the planet when it's deep into an off-season, they carry an excess weight, they're going to start blowing out their ass. Um, but then again, part of that is because their heart is now having to work much harder to support them. Sure. Um, I can't stress enough, and it's something I neglected throughout my training uh, and something I'm actually a very big advocate of now, is cardio, but not... See, when you talk cardio to bodybuilders, they start talking about, yeah, I go on a treadmill for 20 minutes every day and I listen to podcasts. That's not cardio, that's calorific burn. Yeah. Um, it needs to be taxing. And one of the reasons where, when you look at strongmen as a, as a body type, they generally aren't the leanest. They still have the same levels of drug use. They perform at extremely high levels, and yet they don't seem to have anywhere the impact in health problems that bodybuilders do. And one of the reasons is to perform in that sport, they have to have a certain level of conditioning. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen and, and, people like that. And, yeah, and conditioning has such a positive role in managing your health. Um, offsetting some of the impacts that the drug use does have. So um, it is it is a very important factor. Now, when you look at bloods, thick blood, blood pressure, shitty cholesterol are all going to start to create a scenario for poor heart problems later on. Um, I harp on about HDL a lot. It is an overdone song. I get that. But at the same time, it is really your only mechanism for keeping your arterial pathways as clean as you can. Yeah. Otherwise, 10 years down the line, you've got shitty plaque and then you're having major problems. So beyond okay. that, you're starting to look at things like um, ECGs. Um, really, ideally, what you really want to do is probably an annual echo. Yeah. Um, because that will give you a very clear indication of your heart structure, your heart health, your heart functionality. So on the subject um, of, of Echoes, um, Dave, actually, when I was having my heart issues before Christmas, referred me to a company called Vista Health. You don't need to be referred by a practitioner. You can just book in with them. I found them to be very, very good for an Echo, um, and they offer Echoes, ECGs, uh, various other bits and pieces. Um, so that, that's the service, actually, that I would wholeheartedly recommend Um and that would tell you things like your ejection fraction, which will give you an overall image of heart health, as well as checking all the valves and chambers. Yeah, I mean, we if I said to somebody, look, you need to empty your car, you need to get a bit of work on it, it's going to cost you two, three hundred quid to do it. Most people wouldn't bat an eyelid at that. Yeah, I think it was two. But when you turn to them and say, when you turn to them and say, I need you to do an annual health MOT, they almost have a bloody heart attack. It's like, oh, 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 oh but why wouldn't you invest in that? Because trust me, 
when it gets shitty, it gets shitty for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And I can speak from experience there, you know? I mean, I, I live with the damage I've caused myself every day. So that leads on to something I wanted to cover and something I've been trying to get you to cover in a follow-up video to the Under Construction series. If no one, if anyone hasn't seen the Under Construction series, I strongly urge you to go do that. Uh, episode one and two of the Under Construction series are one of my favourite bodybuilding films. And they're not really bodybuilding films, they're just self-harm videos about Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, and when you when you look at it from in the cold, hard light of day, there's an element of truth to that. Um are you comfortable talking about the long-term implications of what you did, Dave? Yeah, of course I so. so. So what What are the challenges that you now face as a result of your incredible journey up to 400 pounds? Right. right. So do you, want to, do you want to do mental, physical, or both? Um, I guess primarily physical, because mental, I guess, could be individual to to anybody. But, um, I mean, do you think, do you think that your, your mental issues are driven as a result of of 19 nor use particularly is that where you're going with that not particularly there's other aspects as well there's 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 aspects of accepting the change in you as a person but we'll touch on that then so okay we'll start with the physical so physically oh here's the list so i have 22 muscle tears okay i have two damaged vertebrae in my neck which pinch nerves i have uh two knackered discs in my back which again pinch nerves i have a section on my left leg which is completely normal i've got no feeling at all because of nerve damage i have severe arthritis in my ankle my feet and my toes no it's not gout richard before you try it that that is somewhat now managed but some of that i don't have any gout um Part of the arthritic problems are to an extent driven by my kidney failure so i'm stage four uh however my kidney has been stable for five years yeah in fact it has actually improved to, to a small extent so i've gone from an egfr of 20 to i now sit 27 to 30 okay um i am still an incredibly heavy fat fuck uh, i make no denial of that and it's taken me a long time to get in the position where i'm actually i've had several dieting attempts but I respond much better to movement over calorie restriction. And, and one of the problems is I'm very immobile because of my feet. Yeah. Um, however, having now got a, a bike, as in a stationary bike, I am actually constructively doing quite a lot of cardio. And, and slowly but surely we're making progress. But it's a long journey. And I don't, I don't lie to myself about the fact that I'm not, probably the most motivated to get down it but i know it needs to be done and i know i need to get my weight down and so that's gonna... i guess if you were to to give critics of bodybuilding that list of, of issues that you have you would get people that would say oh well it's their own fucking fault you know shouldn't take it, it without it. doubt it is without that oh, i haven't finished on... i mean i've got half failure as well <laughs> but on the other side of that if you were to present that list of stuff to um to a lot of people who are actively taking heavy cycles of gear, I imagine the answer you would get would go, oh, yeah, but Dave was 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 too heavy. Oh, but Dave was predisposed to. Oh, but Dave genetically must have had X, Y, or Z. Um, and as always, so, it's somewhere just, in that grey area. Yeah, I mean, yes, I did run heavy cycles. Yes, I did do four and a half gram. Uh, but I only did two cycles at that dosing, and that's what a lot of people don't actually realise. 
prior to that, I never really, I did all my bodybuilding life and never went over 1.2 gram. Yeah. Then I did one cycle that I ascended dose up to three gram. And then I did two cycles of four and a half gram. Uh, and that is it. Um, and when my return, so I had a bodybuilding career that was spanned with a, a break of about 15 years. When I came back, I did five cycles. That was it, up until my failure point. Um, I did have AFib, arterial fibrillation. It is a genetic trait within the family. My brothers have it. None of them have ever had any health issues around it. Yeah. So, yes, there was a trace there, but actually my heart failure came when I finished everything. My heart was so thick, so developed, and what I did when I stopped was I stopped training. I stopped everything. The problem there was that I was still walking around at nearly 30 stone, but I was, my heart was getting no conditioning, so my heart health deteriorated incredibly rapidly. Yeah. If I'd have maintained exercise and maintained cardio, the chances are my heart health would have been much greatly improved. Um, so that was a mistake on my part, you know, leaving what I was doing. But I mean, I have, I have no regrets, and, and that might sound very, very odd. I mean, I, I'm my feet constantly hurt. Yeah. There are days go by where my heart rate will not go below below one eighty. Um, when I train or do cardio, it literally feels like I'm about to have a heart attack every time I start to push. Um, so I, I am restricted, but it's improving steadily and slowly. And, you know, at the end of the day, I put myself here. I don't blame anybody else. I don't do the woe is me bollocks because the truth is nobody gives a shit. Yeah. And, and um, I think in the, in the, in the context of this podcast, the, the question is, and it's a massive oversimplification, is that if you had never taken steroids, how many of those problems do you think you'd be likely to have? I uh, wouldn't have had the kidney problems. That, I think, is a is, is ripped for red. Yeah. May have had heart issues. Um, it would have depended on, really, I think the heart issues would have depended on whether I went, I'm naturally chunky, I like my food, I've always tended to be a bit on the heavier side, though I have had periods where I've been quite lean as well. Um, and I'm not sure if I didn't do, if I didn't do the gear, but I trained, I think yeah. the heart issues wouldn't have been a concern. If I didn't train and didn't do the gear, then I think I would probably have ended up with heart issues just through just being fat. Be- be- because there's that precursor to it in the family. Yeah. So there, there are issues. I mean, obviously all the injuries are training related. Um, and a lot of them are, probably gear and training related because I developed strength that was beyond my remit really. Yeah. Uh, I am. Well, I mean, one of the things I got into training was because actually naturally I am actually quite weak. Um, I was never a strong individual. I played rugby at school and for my size, I didn't have the power I should have had. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I got into training in the first place. But um, would I be where I am now without the drugs? No, without doubt. I have I have no doubt that the drugs have played a massive contributing factor. Um, I, 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 drugs and size are my kidneys, but obviously the size wouldn't have come without the drugs anyway. Yeah. Uh, and my heart health was 
accelerated and also increased. I mean, I've got heart failure. That's a little bit more severe than, than arterial fibrillation. The arterial fibrillation is not exactly brilliant, but um, heart failure is obviously quite a lot more severe. I mean, my heart just doesn't function properly, full stop. Yeah. Hence why I have such an accelerated heart rate, because it has to be much, much faster to maintain blood flow. Yeah. And um, with, with all your heart issues, um, have you, obviously you will have had echoes and ECGs and so on. Have you gone down the route of having a CT angiogram? Uh, I've had an angiogram, yes. Um, the one thing that actually wasn't bad was my uh, arterial network. Yeah, so I had a CT angiogram before Christmas and um turns out I have no plaque or calcium at all, which surprised me, but it was nice to know. The one thing I have seen on a few podcasts recently, because people uh, people are talking a lot about heart health at the moment, you should go and do this. And I've seen them, um, I think I saw Dave Palumbo recommend people go get a CT angiogram every couple of years. Um, now, I think that must have been a, a mistake that he said that, but that's not a procedure. So for those who don't know, a CT angiogram, they put you in a, a CT machine and they inject you with a radioactive dye, and then they follow that dye around the, the, the small pathways of the heart. Um, that's not something you can just go and have done willy-nilly. Not only is it very expensive, but also it involves exposing you to radiation. Um, so I think you can only have a couple in your lifetime unless... They do, and obviously you've got the full angiogram, which is basically the same, but it's done via X-ray. And yeah. they track it through all your arterial network, and that that's, that's quite a weird experience, because when they flush it, you feel like you've pissed yourself. That's exactly what the CT angiogram was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You and, like and your bum hole burns. Yeah, you, you're absolutely, totally convinced laying there that you've just pissed all over yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that is, I, I had one of those as part of the going on with my heart. And um, and I did have a few people go, oh, should I go and get this then? And it's financially, it's probably out of the realms of most people to get if they haven't got a problem anyway. But that's that's something that you wouldn't necessarily go and get for no well, reason. The, but certainly the, the, an ECG and, a, and, a, and an echo is within the realms of, within, yeah. within the means of most people to achieve. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you pay attention to that stupid little thing called HDL, you're yeah. probably not going to have any need for an angiogram. No. Um, you know, the, I think the one thing that bodybuilders suffer from massively at the moment is the overhype and the overcomplication of things that actually are relatively simple. Uh, and people seem to have this obsession with, Oh, if it's not using big words and technical, then it mustn't mean anything. And yet the people that use the big words and technical, if you actually sit them down and say, right, can you explain that to me as if I'm a child? Yeah. They can't because they don't actually understand what they're talking about. And they just parrot fashion repeating what they've read or heard from somebody else. That, that has always been the strong mentality is, um, is to try and make things simple. Um, yeah. I think it's Einstein that said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it. No, I don't think it, that. I don't think that always rings true. I think there are certain topics that simply are complex. Well, then, um, well there, there are certain terminologies that have to be used to describe things because that's what they're called. Um, certainly in regard to bodybuilding, bodybuilding actually is pretty simple. Um, right. When I first started bodybuilding, I knew, right, well, what I have to do is eat properly. And we all know what fucking eating properly is and eating well. Let's not, you know, try and complicate that. Eat properly. And, and train hard and you'll get results. And if you eat properly, train hard and take some steroids, you'll get really good results. And if you eat properly, train hard and take lots of steroids, you'll get really good results and you'll probably make yourself poorly. And then some way in your, in your career, you get lost, you get confused, you start going down rabbit holes and you end up 
you end up looking at all sorts of things and breaking them down into into tiny little minutiae and, and looking up really niche weird drugs and trying to find the key that the secret as to why some people look like Phil Heath and other people take loads of gear and look like they don't. And actually the fact of it is just your, your genetic lottery. And then I think you get to the point that I'm at now and probably where you've been for a while and you go, actually, I was right in the first place. Train hard and eat well. And you know what fucking eating well and training hard is. Don't try and overcomplicate that. Um, and you'll get decent results. And if you take some drugs, you'll get good results. Um, the area that I think most people fail on is training. I think people just don't know how to train. Yeah, I, I, I've always been a big fan of nutrition. I, I, I like old school nutrition, um, simple nutrition, but but I do think that a lot of people mess up on nutrition these days because they try and overfancify that. You know, if you have yeah. if you have um, uh, salmon and eggs for breakfast and then you eat chicken, rice and some vegetables two or three times through the day and then you have steak and a baked potato for tea, you'll not go far wrong. And I know that's not exciting, but it's also not a million miles away from the truth. I I hit 365 pound. I was at my biggest, my leanest for size. I won't say the lean, lean in any way, but I still had separation of vascularity. And I was mobile and I was agile. I had a, 24, a 26 and a half inch arm. I had a 72 inch chest. And all I ever took was test and decker. Yeah. And that was it. You know, yeah. there was nothing fancy about anything. I ate rice and I ate chicken and I ate beef. I ate broccoli and I had some oats and maybe a protein shake a day. And 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 those of you who are newer listeners who don't know Dave's history, I encourage you to Google uh, Dave Crossland. There are some photos from around five five to ten years ago. Um, and regardless of Dave being negative about himself, he actually had a decent physique. He was never someone who set out to be lean, but he was one of the biggest guys that I ever met when he was in condition, and he was in a decent a decent level of condition. And Dave, that's the last time I'm going to be nice to you. No, that's fine. I'll take that. Um, I'll take that. I mean, no, I was never bodybuilding lean. Um, I, I got close a couple of times. I dieted down a couple of times, just about touching on sort of 10, 11%, but they were short periods and didn't last very long. Most of my training, I would have been the 2018, 20 or more. Yeah. Um, towards the end, there was a huge amount of water retention. Yeah. Uh, and I just and, looked a fat mess. And that was, that was down to those, those, those kidney issues, was it? Uh, predominantly, yeah. As I say, the heart issues really came post. Uh, the kidneys was the thing that went first. Yeah. Um, and I had plenty of warning signs. But And I went to the doc, and because the doc said, oh, no, I think this is normal for you, because they weren't used to dealing with a 26, 27-stone bodybuilder. Very, very few people are. I mean, to be fair, uh, even if even if things have moved on massively since you, you did under construction, right? I mean, you can go to people like yourself. You can go to people like Dr. Chris at the Blood Lab. You can, you can come here and see Aaron... Um, there are places with specialist knowledge, although even now, someone with the physique that you presented at 26 stone would be very much out of the normal curve. Yeah. Uh, but the thing was, absolutely sod all, really, other than Medichecks. I went to the doctor. The doctor <clears> said, no, they're fine. That's normal for you. And I was happy to hear that. So I didn't bother digging any deeper. When deep down, I knew they weren't. Because it's the answer you wanted to hear. It's the answer um, I wanted to hear because it meant I could carry on. It meant I could keep doing what I was doing. It meant I didn't have to face what I'd done to myself. And we're, we're back uh, to that, that journey of self-harm, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there were times on that journey where I remember sitting there, not thinking, how can I be better with my diet? How can I get more out of my training? Which is where I thought should have gone, but 
what other drug can I take? And, and definitely the second part of the, the project, uh, which was became the Under Construction 2 film. Yeah. I was very drug-focused, very drug-orientated, and very much to my detriment. Yeah. And I looked for more drugs, and I looked for different drugs, and, and things just got worse and worse and worse. Um, and then you come out of that, and I mean, when we invest large amounts of our time, and, and particularly when you start involving heavy drug use, large amounts of money, yeah. the results of that become incredibly important to you. And you start to lose sight of your value as an individual and only value your physical representation. When that goes, be it through whatever reason, that is a very difficult journey to get your head round. Yeah. Um, uh, pro athletes suffer with it quite a lot. They finish being a pro athlete and they have no identity anymore. They don't know who they are or what they are. And I'm not on about pro bodybuilders. I'm on about sports people, footballers, rugby players, tennis players, all these sort of people. Um, but because our sport is so visual um, and we, we end up being so focused on the way we look, we forget that we have value as individual. I know this is getting quite deep now, but... I can very much relate, given my current situation. Uh, and and that, that's a journey, and that can take some time to get your head around it. And for me, I sort of dealt with that by just going, ah, fuck it, and just not bothering. Yeah. Um, and it's taken time for me to get back in a position where it's like, you know what, no... I, yeah, I'm never going to be repping five plates on a bench or five plates on a shoulder press. I'm never going to be squatting seven plates again. But that doesn't mean I still can't lift and have relative progression. But I needed time for those previous achievements to be distant memories. I, I mean, I can, I can very much relate on that. And I'm quite lucky in the way things happen. So the last time I took my training really seriously was when you and Shoshana came to our open day. Mm -hmm. um and i was i was in for training then and i had a comp about four six weeks after that um and then in the comp um the spotting was quite shit um in that i failed my top lift and someone pulled one side up before the other and it it damaged my rotator cuff and it's still bad now um it's actually probably worse now than it was but that caused me to not be able to focus on powerlifting and then work got busy so i kind of didn't train massively over the last 12 months um but i still maintained an okay physique um, and then in September, I haven't gone on about it on the podcast, but I've banged on about it enough on social media. I developed this weird heart issue, which turned out to be long COVID. Um, but as a result, I then had three months off everything. Um, and then I'm now in a position where actually I'm, I'm trying to get back into training, but I struggle because it, it makes me quite anxious and I, it leaves me uh, because of my heart. And it makes me, um, makes me knackered for two or three days. And you can probably relate because I imagine you've gone through this previously. Mm. Um, what I think is quite fortunate for me, and obviously I would have rather none of it had happened. What's quite fortunate, though, is that I think if the heart thing had developed when I had been completely and totally into my training, the, the just stopping everything and stopping drugs and everything else, I would have found mentally really, really hard, if not impossible. Whereas because it's happened gradually, um, it's not that big a deal to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I deadlifted this morning. In about two hours' time, I'll be a fucking mess. Yeah. As that hit. Um, I, you constantly feel, when I push, I constantly feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. 
Yeah, it's well, like, I think... But he, he, the thing is, the more you expose to it, the more you get used to it. But there's still that... You go into a lift or you go into a, a set where you're intending to push a little bit and you still got that back of the mind is if I do this neck rep, will I die? And I know it sounds melodramatic, but it is quite literally how it feels. Yeah, I'm not I'm not there. I just uh, I just get nervous about <laughs> setting setting my heart off. Um, um it's like went, cardio, you know. It, it's... Well, I went for a run yesterday for the first time. Um <laughs> and I went for a run because if you give up on a run, you still have to walk back. Whereas what's been happening is I've been going on a treadmill, and then the moment my heart rate starts to get above about 120, I shit myself and just stop. Um, which renders the whole exercise pointless. Um Whereas when you're out in the real world running, you don't have a heart rate rate monitor and stuff. You kind of just become unaware of those things. Um, well, it's, it's a bit like injury rehab. You start light and gentle, and then each week you just add a little bit more. It, so, it makes it an incredibly slow process, but it's just the only way you can do it is to feel your way through it. If I attach a heart monitor when I go on the peloton, the fucking bike has a dicky fit. It's like, whoa, get off, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, but you know, you just build it up slowly. I started, I was only doing one 15 minute cardio session a week. Then I managed a 20, then I managed two. Now I do four, and there's usually at least one 30 minute session in there. And yeah. they're hard. I mean, I am fucked when I come off. But it's just a steady pro- – and I hate cardio. I mean, I, I literally would go to bed the night before stressing about the fact that I knew I had to get up and do cardio the next morning. Yeah. So uh, to, to summarise the last kind of half an hour, um, it, it's fair to say that that you very much on a personal level have caused a fair degree of, of health issues with relation to, to drug use. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and and you assert that there isn't necessarily a health crisis right now in bodybuilding, but more that it's 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 endemic. It's something that's been going on for a very long time, and we're we're generally more aware of it at the moment. I, I think there is an increase, but I don't think it's to the scale that people may be feeling it is. I yeah. think we are now seeing the effects of the last five ten years of the popularity of of trend uh, and the move towards generally within amateur ranks higher doses. I think the extremes of usage have always been and will always be very, very similar. Uh, there's a few anomalies in that. There's a few individuals that have, have really pushed numbers. But, you know, four or five gram is still a very extreme, very high cycle, and I think that will always be. Yeah. I think what we're seeing, though, is more people sitting between the gram and two gram mark than we've seen before. And, and for very long periods of time, right, rather than for... Yeah, for uh, you know... People saying, oh, I'm doing sports TRT and stuff like that without actually realising the accumulative problems they're creating. Yeah. Um, um, so I think it's a mixture of everything. Um, I think there is a slight increase. I don't think it's an epidemic in any way. I think there is an increase in awareness. I think we're now starting to join the dots a bit better. Um, but, yeah, so I think it's, 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 a, it's, it's more of a broad-spectrum development rather than any individual area that's jumped up. And, and therefore, where do you see that trajectory taking us as a community? Well, there's a big move now within UK academia uh, to start to involve more services, um, to get better real-time data uh, and, and therefore be able to do more relevant research and studies. 
Sure. But there's been an issue with academia in the past that they've generally, and, and for very obvious reason when you start realising how it all works, but they've picked really sort of easy, well-established, already well-known within the community topics because they're simple paydays and they can get it through ethics. Sure. Where now there's, there seems to be this, let's start working with the community more uh, and with private practice more so we can get more relevant and current data to start to get a clearer picture. Yeah. I think health issues will continue to develop. Uh, I think we've probably got another five years of health issues worsening um, because even though there is definitely more awareness of health at the moment, it takes time to filter down through everything. Um, and I think the at-risk group isn't those that are really active, competitive bodybuilders as such. The at-risk group is that middle ground where they're semi-aspiring but not really that dedicated. And then the drugs become a bit of a, a crux in order to get away with a bit of a shitty diet or to get away with a bit of lack of training. We've all seen that, if not done it ourselves. Yeah, without um, doubt, we've all done it. So if uh, if people want us to go into uh, a deeper dive on any particular health issues or, or 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 the services Dave offers or anything like that, um, drop us a line and we can we can line that up definitely. If you haven't listened to them already, I'd strongly recommend that you listen to the first cycle podcast that I did with Dave nearly two years ago. Um, that actually, I don't know if you realize, Dave is one of our most popular podcasts ever. You know, sometimes the simplest stuff is. And it wasn't um, a complex one. No. I think I think the, the crux of it was take four or 500 milligrams of test a week, get your blood work done first to make sure that you're not about to die and yeah. um, see how you do. I mean, it's this isn't complex. Your, your risk areas are blood viscosity, HDL, or cholesterol in general, lipids, and kidney function. They're the real main three you're looking at. Yeah. Liver generally actually isn't a concern that much. Uh, and, you know, check them regularly, manage them correctly, and just be fucking sensible. Yeah. Uh, it's not rocket science. But invest in learning to train. And everyone everyone you speak, oh, I train hard. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. If, you, uh, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're not sure if you train hard or not, um, drop Dave a message and arrange for a session oh, yeah. with him. I know it won't be cheap, but it'll be worth it. You'll only need to do it once. Or just go on Zach King Card's Instagram and watch some of his training sessions with Dave. Because Zach's someone who did train hard before anyway. Uh, like the, Zach. Zach. Yeah, <laughs> Zach, Zach. Zach King Khan had a reputation for training hard regardless. And then I think Dave has perhaps added in some, some techniques and methodology to make that process more efficient or inefficient, depending on your perspective. The, the, the thing I would say about training is it's not a, so much about the load you move, though that plays a role. What you've got to focus on is working the muscle. Yeah. And whatever it takes to do that, your primary goal is muscular damage, not weight moved. Well, that is something that we can possibly cover in depth on another podcast. Thank you so much, Dave. I am going to have to, to finish this there because I'm conscious that you've got things to do and I have things to do. Um, closing message to anybody regarding health that might still be listening at this point. The single best thing you can do and I mean this with all genuinity, is three 20 to 30 hit style cardio sessions a week. And we mean sweat, 
with that, don't we? Yeah, we do. We mean 140, 150 heart rate, push hard. Um, that's the best, that's the single best thing you can do, and it's absolutely completely fucking free. And if somebody wants to book in to use eval services for blood analysis, what would be the best way of doing that, Dave? Website. So that's www.evalbloodanalysis.com. Analysis. That's how I remember to spell it. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Dave. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we will have you back on, I'm sure, in the next few months to have a look at your philosophy on training. Because we did training with the Muscle Mentors a year ago. And I know that you're, you're... um what's what's the word not um your approach your um philosophy is very very different to, to those guys so there are, the parallels there there are many ways to skin a cat you've just got to find the right way for you yeah thank you very much dave and we will speak to you again soon